generate is supporting my vision to improve the financial literacy of 100,000 Kiwis by sponsoring Keep the Change. Cheers, Generate. Head to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to find out more. Getting in the KiwiSaver fund that suits you and your situation is key to making sure you're maximising your investment. Generate are an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of long-term performance and they can help you do exactly this. Their advisors can meet with you to talk about all your options when it comes to KiwiSaver to help you decide what's best for you. Too many people never get KiwiSaver advice, but not you. Go to generatekiwisaver.co.nz forward slash change to book a no-obligation chat with a Generate advisor. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited. And of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Welcome in. You are listening to a very special episode of the Keep the Change podcast because it's an away game podcast today. We are in the Lighthouse Financial Studio ripping through a brilliant podcast with James Blair. Mate, thank you for making the time to come on the pod. I've been trying to tee this up for some time, but you know, you're a busy man. We finally got you. Yeah, so I've got the home ground advantage, do I? Yeah. <laughs> How good. So we'll get stuck in, mate. Firstly, for those listening that don't know, there is a Checks and Balances podcast that uh, the boys put out weekly. Is that right? Yeah. So uh, myself, so I'm a financial advisor and my best buddy, who I also happen to work with, Michael Vincent, who's a mortgage broker. Uh, and they get popped out every week on YouTube, Apple, Spotify, all those good places. It's a lot flasher than the Keep the Change setup. So it's very, very impressive. There's cameras everywhere. There's people everywhere. There's about 60 people in the background here. Yeah, um, not, a good, not a great ROI, but we enjoy it. <laughs> big signs in the <laughs> background. But a simple way for me to explain what you do, you help people achieve their financial goals. Now, I think that sounds probably too simple given this is an industry where people can overcomplicate it and think that it's really hard. Uh, how do you help people achieve their financial goals? Well, I'm a simple man, Luke. And if I try and make it too complicated, then I have no idea what's going on. So let me hit you with an analogy like of analogies. Uh, what it looks like. So essentially what I sell is a financial plan. Um, and Kiwis don't really have financial plans. It's probably still a bit of an emerging space. And when people think financial plans, sometimes they think, um, oh, I'm going to be sold like a managed fund or I'm going to get sold some insurance or whatever. Um, the way I like to think about it is say you are on the Inter-Islander Ferry and you are going from uh, Picton to Wellington. There's a whole bunch of questions where like, you know the direction you're heading in, you're going, you're going north, you probably run into <laughs> some sort of land eventually, but it's kind of like, well, how long is it going to take you to get there? Um, do you want to do some sightseeing on the way? You want to check out some dolphins? I assume there's some dolphins somewhere around there. Um, would you go slower on, on the journey if you knew when you were going to get there, maybe do a bit of whale watching or a little bit of dolphin watching? What if you're in a faster boat, Luke? If you're in a faster boat on the Inter-Islander, maybe um, it would completely change what you do. It, are there dangerous waters that you should be avoiding? Um, do you have the right equipment on board if you run into those dangerous waters? Um, and then what are you going to do once you get to Wellington? Do you have enough food and water to, to last you? Well, there's fuck all to do in Wellington, mate. So uh, I like the analogy, but uh, Wellington, geez, okay. It, no, I, I get what you mean <laughs> yeah, though. Yeah, I mean, I lived in Wellington for two years. Oh, didn't see Didn't <laughs> see the sun. Um, and then that's why this one back up in Auckland. <laughs> Side note, went to a cricket game at the Basin before. I thought, oh, I'll go watch Australia play the Black Caps at the Basin. Five days of 25 degree heat, never saw it again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, five days is pretty good, yeah. especially back to back. Yeah, but but if I think about that analogy of kind of going from 
on the intra-islander. So a financial plan is going pretty much, well, what are my goals? Like, what do you want? If you've got money to invest, hypothetically, like say you've got some money to invest, got a hundred grand, what should I do with it? What do you want the money to do for you? Do you need it straight away? Do you need it later? Is it for retirement? Um, we do projections for clients to kind of go, this is the direction you're heading in. Are you happy with that? Um, the speed of the boat that I was talking about in the analogy is um, investing in the right assets, paying off debts, the being ready for dangerous waters. It's like having wills, life insurance, income protection, all the stuff that nobody wants to talk about. Um, and then we kind of do the, here are the right assets for you to invest into. Here are some projections to show if you're on track, what kind of income do you want in retirement? That's what we do. Gotcha. Why do you think so many or so few Kiwis do a financial plan? Is it because we don't, we think we don't have much anyway, or we're scared to talk about it? Like, is there some something to back up why that happens? Let me ask you a question to answer your question. Why do you reckon Bunnings and Mitre Ten so busy on the weekend? We love a little bit of uh, DIY in New Zealand. We love a bit of like, ah, she'll be right. Dare I say, accountants probably give more financial advice than they should as well. So where they go for advice is probably probably the wrong place as well. And I guess I see the same thing working with business owners where a number of them struggle to actually put a business plan in place mm. as well. And they just drift along. And often I'll hear them say, oh, I've had five years business experience, but they don't. They've had five years of the same one year's experience. So they've just done the same thing every year. And then often they'll wonder, like, why does my competitor have more than me or what's going on? And they've just got no strategy, no plan, nothing. And I suppose we just roll that same sort of concept into our personal finances, right? Yeah, definitely. And if a financial plan, I, I think everybody should have a, like a plan in any element of your life. I mean, say you, you want to uh, get fitter, you should probably have some sort of plan around how you're going to do it. It's really in all aspects of aspects of life. But if you have no idea what you're doing, you should probably have a financial plan. If you are super sophisticated, and like, I ah, just like a whiz kid, you should still have a financial plan. Why? Because you need to be reviewing uh, where, where are you going? Is it all making sense? But also having that independent person to talk about, you know, these are the things I'm thinking about. Here are the different options I'm weighing up, making sure it all makes sense. So as part of that, you actually help build the plan for people. And then will you hold them accountable or give them a bit of a sense check? throughout the year as well and yeah. beyond. A big part of my job is like, that's a stupid idea. Yeah. <laughs> Every, oh, on, gold, people are like, ah, oh, James, I want to buy some gold. I'm like, can we not, can we not buy some gold, please? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we, because it, it does sound quite waffly in terms of what it is. A financial plan is pretty much going like, here are your goals. Um, here is where, here are your goals. Here are your, where, where you want to get to. Here's where you currently are. Here are the four or five different things we're going to do. So the first part, everybody loves to skip over this. Where does your money go? So like when you get paid an income, what does your expenses look like and how much money you've got left over to go somewhere? A lot of people go, hey, James, want to build a property portfolio. Like, cool, how much of your money do you save? None, we spend it all. I'm like, there's not a lot left over. Um, and then so we look at the individual recommendations off the back of it. So that might be like looking at a KiwiSaver provider. There's a third of Kiwis who haven't made an active choice. Um, mortgage repayment, like projections. Uh, investment advice around like property or shares or whatever it might be, and then retirement projections, life insurance, income protection. It really varies depending on what the person needs. 
So most people you see, what are they chasing as their goal? I suppose it probably varies at the age, right? But what are the main sort of trends or themes that people are, are chasing? Yeah, I, I hate the word, but it's what most people want is financial freedom. And it's a very like, like Instagram-y, yeah, yeah, like yeah. buzzy kind of thing. Some people go passive income. The term passive income does not exist, by the way. It's just like a buzzword that people think they want to chase. Financial freedom is because... Even the term retirement, what does the term retirement mean anymore? Usually it just means people get older faster if they stop doing everything. Um, financial freedom is going, I want options, James. I want to know, um, I want to know that I can, if I want to ease back on work um, at 50, I have the ability to do that. You give me the peace of mind that maybe I uh, spend more time with my kids. Maybe I spend some time overseas, like whatever I want to do. Um, is probably the biggest one is around financial freedom. The other big thing is clarity. So if you, like say hypothetically, you told me you wanted to, you were happy working for a long time and I said you could be financially free at 50, you might go, well, hold up. I might spend a bit more money now, have a bit more fun, go on that extra trip. It's all about balance between the two and maybe you decide I'm going to enjoy myself a little bit more in the moment. Nice one. Yeah, makes sense. So I think one thing that I've seen is, and one a number of years ago, I started a business called Will You, and it was designed to help people put a will together. Mm. So an accountant's building a will business, and then I got scared because I thought, oh man, I'm not a lawyer, I probably shouldn't be playing in this space, but really I just needed some help to make sure it was all sweet and could have been rolling with it. Anyway, long story short, public trust ended up doing something in that space, and it's one of those, oh, I could have done that moments, mm. but you know we have those. But why I was doing that is because I thought, oh, younger Kiwis are getting into KiwiSaver, they're going to have they're going to die with something mm. even if they don't do too much else in their life if they've been contributing to KiwiSaver so they're going to have an asset unless they you know live right through and run the whole thing down and it just got me thinking that wheels may become popular over time but if older people aren't doing financial plans they're probably going to pass that down to younger people as well right mm. younger people live in a completely different world now where they potentially might inherit something uh, they might be contributing to KiwiSaver for a number of years and then they've actually got some assets that they can be thinking, right, what could I be aiming towards? Are mm. you seeing younger people sort of wake up to the fact that they could or should be putting a plan in place? Yeah, it's definitely like we've got clients who are 21 in their first job who have a plan and it's like a pretty uh, basic plan in terms of like budgeting, making like a good um, Kiwi saver choice. We use the software on the budgeting side called Pocketsmith a lot of the time. It's a Dunedin-based company. You pull in your online banking transactions, can categorize it, life budgets, those sort of things. And then for a lot of them, it might be, um, I want to save up for an OE or I want to save up um, to buy my first home or whatever it be. And those clients are really cool because the biggest asset anybody has is time. And the sooner you can start, the better, because the average person comes to me at 50 and they're like, Oh shit, James! I've just realised I'm going to retire at some point, yeah. and you have to like save so much more, sacrifice so more at fifty opposed to like twenty. It's just like little drip feeds and compounding interest, right? Yeah, I actually recorded a video yesterday. I'm 35 in March, and it was a video to tell my 20 year old self five things to to be doing, and one of them was basically like actually just continue to invest and use that the value of time and compounding because. 
when I was that age, I would think, oh, I'm going to do really well in life. I can worry about this shit later. Mm. And now I'm turning 35. I'm like, whoa, that 15 years went pretty quick. And especially the last five years. And mm. even like, I can't really remember what I was doing at 25. Mm. And so I've got a 30 year window until I'm 65. But now in my 30s, I'm having to play catch up to rewrite some of the things that I did poorly in my 20s, like contribute more to KiwiSaver to catch up on the the period where I took off and, mm. and different things like that. So I suppose there's probably a stigma that financial plans and stuff are, are just for, for rich people, right? Yeah, and it's just, I mean, financial advice, the way we give it, I don't think there's too many people that do it that way where we charge a financial plan fee. So we charge somebody two grand plus just for a plan. If you go, I mean, you might go, well, that's a lot of money. Or you might go, um, two and a two grand to like understand what's going on in my life. That's not a cost. That's an investment into their future. Um, so that's the that's the barrier to entry. Um, so it's not just for those with five million dollars to invest, because there's lots of old stuffy financial advisors that will look after those people. Our most typical market now is thirty to fifty. Um, reasonable income, time poor, just kind of like dealing with jobs and kids and all of those sort of things. And once you want to come together and going, right, are we heading in the right direction to keep give them that peace of mind that they don't have to think about it in the back of their head? You often talk about, and I've seen clips and whatnot under checks and balances where you're talking about people who make a lot of money, they don't save much, they don't invest much, mm. and they don't really have many assets. And basically, if the clock stops, they'd actually be pretty uh, pretty buggered. Yeah, we talk about like the difference between rich and wealthy. Rich is like that Instagrammable world where you've got great incomes, your kids go to private schools, you've got a nice car, you've got um, a batch and all of those sort of things. But the, the reality of it is not all, but quite a lot of those people are on treadmills and they're running hard and they can't stop running hard. I've got this bloke down in Tauron, he washes cars for $40,000 a year. He can um, retire whenever he wants because... Wealthy is completely dependent on your situation. My definition of wealthy is you've achieved your goals. And if your goal is a passive income or an income of $50,000 a year and you can do all the things you want to do, that's wealth. Rich is going, I own a bunch of expensive stuff, but I have to keep earning money to keep doing that. Yeah, and I'd imagine a lot of Kiwis and people in general would get themselves into that position, right? Because we're pretty drawn into that whole materialistic Lifestyle creep is crazy. Lifestyle creep. Mm. Lifestyle creep is just, you know, you get that pay rise, that pay rise, that pay rise, and then your mortgage repayments don't go up or your contributions to your investments don't go up. It all goes towards nicer crap, really. What would you suggest for somebody who, let's do two profiles. So someone who's basically listening to this and they're just getting on their financial journey and they've got nothing, like they've still got a credit card to Mm. clear. It's not too much. And so they're not back against the wall as such, but they're basically going, you know what? I know that I need to get out of the buy now, pay laters and stuff. Mm. What do you usually suggest to those type of people? The first one's a budget. Yeah. Um, and people hate the word budget. Mm. Budget's not about like living off rice and beans and stopping your spending. It's just about going, I know where my money is going. And if I annualize your expenses and something costs you, say you spend 10 grand a year on um, holidays, but you get a lot of value out of it. It's like your chance to recharge and it means a lot. Then it's like a completely cool expense. But if I annualize the amount you spend on Uber Eats and you go, oh, that was, I didn't have to waste that money. So a budget's the first thing we do for somebody in that situation. But then you have to 
uh, motivate them because they won't and create discipline because that feeling they have at the moment won't last and they'll slip back into old habits. So you need to do things like um, create, well, where do we want to be in 12 months and five years to get them excited about their future? And the reality is with a lot of these people, they can, with like the right structure, get ahead a lot faster than they think. They're just thinking about the moment they're in at the moment. So budget, meaningful goals, and then also we set up like a, a short-term fund account. So it creates like um, longevity of the plan where they can go, oh, I'm saving for something that'll make me feel good in the short term. Got you, nice. And then secondly, profile being that they, I had this recently where a guy said to me, I've been listening to Keep the Change for a couple of years now. I've cleared all of my debt. I've got an emergency fund and I've stacked my first 10 grand. And he's like, how do I, how do I get financial freedom from here? Mm. I'm like, whoa, it's a, it's a pretty big jump, right? Yeah. What's uh, for that person who's kind of tidied up their shit, so to speak, what do they do next? It does. So like if the goal is financial freedom, there's probably a few other elements around it beforehand. Like, are you currently renting? Are you happy renting? Do you own a home? Do you have a mortgage? Like if you have a box that you're living in that you're paying for and there's a big mortgage attached, we probably want to uh, pay that off. So it depends on what their costs are and all of those sort of things. A pretty typical financial plan for us, because obviously there's a bit of a blueprint for this thing, is if you have an owner-occupied mortgage, um, you're paying that off. Once you create equity over time, you um, look to buy an investment property because you're using the bank's money. Once that is completely cleared, then you would look to diversify into shares and manage funds and those sort of things, make an active choice of KiwiSaver, project it all out and go, okay, you'll be financially free at X age. Go and are you cool with that? Do you want to bring it forward? These are the things we need to do. So that's the situation around um, if they had a mortgage. If they didn't have a mortgage, which we've done an episode recently on like a scenario where renting is better in a case study than buying a house. Um, it might be, it'll, it'll just be a combination of, I mean, there's really only two assets to invest into plus owning a business is investing into managed funds and investing into property. And it's kind of like, how do you use those two together? What's the right balance to achieve their goals? What about someone who, because I think this is going to become um, a bit more common for, not for everybody, but for some people where they'll inherit some money. And it might be inheriting a mill. It could mm. be inheriting 50 grand, 100 grand. But yep. usually when you inherit money, it's money that you have never had before. And all of a sudden your life completely changes what do you get that often when people come to you and they'll they've been in that situation yeah yeah it, the problem is if people run into money and have never had money before they probably don't know how to use it properly which is so you just i mean they're not going to get that opportunity again right so yeah. the first thing you want to do is make sure they don't shit the bed with the opportunity yeah and that they do do the best with it obviously if they've got it depends how much money we're talking about Usually we try and split some off to go like go have some fun with this amount of money and agree. I don't tell them an amount. We agree on the amount. If they go too high, I push them back down. But um, they have something where they can go, I'm going to go enjoy myself with this. And then, um, and then we go, right, we're paying off debts. We're creating a plan. These are the goals we're trying to achieve. This is where we're investing the money. But inheritance and lotto winners, I mean, I've run into my fair share of lotto winners like the odds of them being successful over 10 years is pretty low. and oh, Into post-winning lotto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, I mean, the stats around it in terms of like it's well over 90% end up bankrupt. It's because 
if I give you all the money in the world, but you don't have the skills to deal with it or um, kind of outsource the skills to deal with it, I mean, it's the, a recipe for disaster. It is, of course, it is. It's and, a recipe for bankruptcy. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then all your mates start like hitting you up, families start hitting you up, the church starts hitting you up, all of those different things. Yeah, um, doesn't usually doesn't work out well. Yeah. Okay. And something that I'm hearing a little bit at the moment, and I'm sure you probably are too with your clients, is I've got a mortgage and it's X, Y, Z, and it's usually a pretty comfortable level of debt. But then they've got a little bit of coin stacked aside too, and they're like, should I invest this mm. or should I pay down my debt? Yep. And I'm like, that is not a question for me. I don't know who you are, your situation. I don't give out financial advice. So I can only imagine you're getting smashed with that question probably weekly at the moment. You like sitting on the fence, do you? Oh, well, I'm a chartered accountant. <laughs> it's what we're trained to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the- I, I usually say, hmm? What I would do if I were you is pay down the debt because it's a guaranteed return. Yeah. 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 And then they're not going to pay tax on any income that they're making. Yeah. Um, and usually it's like, oh, I've got 10 grand, but my mortgage is, is, you know, hundreds of thousands, for instance. I'm like, why are you even trying to get cute? Just do what works. I, I think there's probably a couple of different elements. So the right thing to do is to pay off your debts in the order of the interest rate. So if you've got short-term debts that are 15%, 20%, you need to focus on those first. If you've got like a mortgage at 6% and you're like, I could invest into the share market at 10%, at a high level you go, I should invest into the share market. But then like you said, once you take off fees, tax and inflation because you're not spending the money now, we look at your net real return. So like what's the actual increase in purchasing power over time when you take into account inflation? Usually you're at like 3 or 4%. Mortgage rates at 6%, it's guaranteed, you chuck the money on that. The kicker with that, Luke, though, is it ain't sexy. People don't go around on the weekends going, Psh, look at this $10,000 I paid off my mortgage over the weekend. They want to talk about their punts, right? Yeah. I've invested in this new thing, I've bought this new property, whatever. It's just not as much fun. Mm. But if you keyed that ten grand into a mortgage calculator over the period of your mortgage, you'd probably see that that ten grand is actually worth a lot more, right? And Definitely. And that may then be a little bit more sexy for people. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the term, probably don't do that. the term mortgage calculator and sexy, I don't think they've ever been used in the same sentence. Fair point, fair <laughs> point. I am a geek. Yeah. What What's the biggest challenge that you're seeing for clients at the moment? Interest rates. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, too many people plan their lives on 2% interest rates, which... How, how did they do that? Like, do they not understand that interest rates can move or do they, they're not into e- economics? It's like, it's like asking me the same thing around why... why buy Bitcoin? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's like asking me the same thing around why don't people invest now when the market's down? They want to wait till it's lower. Is the market's always going to recover. You're never going to know the bottom. Um, people are very short-sighted. People are, I mean, we're emotional beings. Um, the bank gave them the money and they got the biggest mortgage they could. Um, so that's the thing we're trying to work through at the moment is we believe at Lighthouse, we believe in like holding long-term assets. We hate selling assets and we believe that um, compounding returns are the greatest force in the financial universe. Not going to sell any um, uh, Marvel movies on that that kind of storyline, but that's the best we got. Um so we really don't like to sell assets unless we absolutely have to. So that's where maybe the mortgage team and the accounting team, if it's on the property side, might kind of work through some of this stuff with, with our clients. But that's the biggest challenge at the moment is there's, there's two different types of people in 2023. 
There's the people that are just trying to hold on and we're trying to work out a way through budgeting and options around their mortgage and all of those sort of things to just hold on and not go backwards because if you sell something, you're going backwards. Then there's the other side of people where they can take action. They can buy their first home, they can deploy cash, they can create a financial plan, whatever, and it's just getting those people to kind of take the jump where they're like, you know, recessions, recession, recession, recession. I'm going to wait till the bottom of the market, which, of course, you're never going to pick. Yeah, okay. Uh, I'd imagine that a lot of people would think that a financial planner or getting financial advice is basically just, oh, you're just going to end up selling me KiwiSaver, a mortgage or insurance. But mm. this seems like a completely different approach where it is, where are you now? Where are you trying to get to? What products and investment types do you need in order to help you get there? Yeah, um, that's exactly right. It's not about the, it's not about the products. It's about the goals and where you want to go. The products are going to come because <laughs> the reason you have products is because they're going to help some people. So naturally, that's going to be like a recommendation. And then sometimes we've got um, conflicts around um, uh, commissions and those sort of things. But we always disclose all that stuff up front, like paying two grand for a financial plan isn't making our business work. So we get paid by other ways, but we disclose all that stuff to, to clients and it's just whatever's the right. I mean, financial advisors at kind of at our age where we've been doing this for 10 years, but we're, you know, in our thirties, um, we want to build a long business over a long period of time. The only way you'll do this and you'll know the same with your clients is by putting them first and it all works out for you over time if you do have that approach. Yeah, the best way to help people is by helping them. <laughs> Complicated. <laughs> yeah, and the best way to help yourself is usually by helping other people. I've yeah. Done. Yeah. Okay. One thing I was keen to ask you about is if I can sort of see into the future where I'm predicting that as people get some advice, more and more people that choose not to or don't take any action, they're going to get left behind. And then we just increase this kind of wealth gap or inequality, but people will try and do all the right things for 20 years. But I think in 20 years time, people will still go, oh, you got lucky or, oh, I didn't have access to that and all those little things. And like the way I look at it is that you don't want to be that person. Like you mm. don't want to be that person with envy or resenting other people. So you've got to, no matter your situation, get your shit sorted as fast as you can and start to get on a path. But do you sometimes worry about that some people are going to get the education and do something about it, but they're still going to be resented by other people? Yeah, I, I just think that's it. Like 2023 will be the year where people got lucky. Like, so this year is not going to be easy at all, but we will look back at this year in hindsight for the people that took action. Can we get like a flashing disclaimer? This is not personalized <laughs> financial advice. It depends on your situation, but those that take action now, you will look back in 10 years and go, wow, like you got lucky with your entry point into the market, but they didn't get lucky. They kind of kind of had the gonads to get on with it when everybody else was, was, was scared. And this won't even just be in people who have got excess money to invest. Like I can foresee this happening in KiwiSaver where we're going to have a real big divide by people who contribute for 40 years mm. and set themselves up for retirement quite well. And we might get there and it'll be means tested whether you can get the pension, for instance. But then there'll be people that said the whole for 40 years, KiwiSaver is a scam. Don't do that. The government are going to take it off you. Just watch. It's another tax, like whatever they believe. Yeah. And if that whatever they believe doesn't come true, 
then they're still going to be the people that don't have a retirement plan in place and they're still going to resent the people that contributed to KiwiSaver for 40 years. Yep, yep. I mean, it's just, unfortunately, the inequality gap will only grow over time. I can't see how that's going to, I mean, you can certainly raise the bar, which is what checks and balances is all about. And I'm sure what this is all about is improving financial literacy, but um, increasing the inequality gap. I mean, I'd love to say there's a way that it doesn't happen, but it's kind of like, how does it not happen? Yeah, it just seems to get worse over yep. time, right? And as all the politicians and whoever explain to us how they can improve it, yeah. it doesn't usually uh, work. But it sounds like what I'm picking up is that you can help people see into their future. And people really like that, right? Like with the planning clients that we work with in a business space, we basically help them build a path. And once they see down that path, what's down there, they realize like, oh, if I just keep doing X, Y, and Z or start doing this as well, I'm going to be able to get these things. And when people can see into their future a bit further and have a bit more clarity, I've found that they're more inclined to actually stay on the track be disciplined and take action over time you said clarity like clarity is the big word yeah there is that you know where you're going if coming back to the analogy that i gave for the inter-islander ferry if you don't know when you're going to get there if you don't know how long it's going to take you like how long you know would you do other things on the journey what are you going to do once you get there all of those things that's all the financial plan is is going um you're heading in the right direction and a financial plan is really as simple as education so that's my job is I educate my clients. I teach them to teach them to fish opposed to giving them the fish. Um, but then you take action. And if you do education plus action over a period of time, it will equal financial freedom. Um, and it's just about you don't do 100 things at once. You do small, consistent steps over time. And I'm sure you're aware of this. Everybody loves to get rich quick. One of my favorite sayings is getting rich slowly because it, it lasts. Mm. Often when people say, what's the best way to do something? I say to them, that sentence alone should teach you that your thinking is wrong. You should ask yourself, what is the guaranteed way to? Because often the best way is like, oh, right now get into that crypto or do this or yeah, man. do that. And yeah. you know, go back to the basics of what actually works yeah to get yourself it's kind of like people being so passionate about like property is the only way to grow wealth or why the hell would you be a salaried employee you should be a business owner or why are you like using this investment platform instead of this investment platforms there's a million different ways to it's once again coming back to like exercise fitness nutrition there's a million different ways to get there it's just about consistency over a long period of time with a strategy that you're comfortable with um it'll work yeah actually that's a good example because when the market was humming, the share market that is, I was getting messages through Keep the Change and it was like, hey, I still haven't brought my first stock yet. I've been thinking about it for the last few months. I just need to figure out which is the best platform to use. Mm. And I'm like, that is the wrong question mm. because by the time you figure out which is the best platform, mm. you're then going to be like, oh, what? There's fucking 374 shares that I could potentially buy. Yeah. Which is the best one of these to buy? Yeah. And then you still won't buy a share. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'll just very quick side point. If you're asking which share should I buy, you're asking the wrong question. You, If you pick stocks directly, like 4% of people make money. You should be investing into funds like diversified index funds. There's lots of good platforms um, out there. If I just do a little bit of quick uh, sharesies bashing, um, be super careful of the fees you're paying. Sharesies just before Christmas increased their fees 400% and you'd be better to go buy some stocks from like a Craig's or a Forsyth bar now. Um, so <laughs> just a quick side point. 
It is, that is capped though, and then there's limits around. Yeah, but, yeah. but then you got to opt into things, and oh, honestly, yeah. you you need a finance degree. Yeah, you do. I was like Rain Man well, trying to work out how it all works. I, I had a three hundred dollar investment last week yeah. in my shares account. It's been sitting there. I've been waiting for something to buy. I can't even remember what I brought now, but I I spent it, and it cost me six dollars. I think as soon as I hit submit the um, bid or buy. I thought, oh wow, that's two months of subscription under their new pricing model, mm. and you know I'm smarter than that. Yeah, I, and I had researched it and still got it wrong. Yeah, and so that six bucks or whatever it cost me, I've got to wait for the market to go up by whatever percentage to even make back that six bucks. And then if I'm going to want to sell that, it's going to cost me six bucks again. Yeah, and that's I, when I first started investing. I would invest through direct broking and I think I'd invest, I'd try and save up five grand and then I'd buy five grand's worth of shares and it would be like, cool, but the first 30 bucks is going to fees. Yeah. And then I'd sit there and wait and be like, right, now I need the share to go up by whatever to try and get back my $30. Mm. And then I'd think, oh, now if I wanted to sell that and get that cash back, I'm going to rinse another 30 bucks. Yeah. So yeah, it's very important to keep an eye on fees and stuff like that too, right? Definitely. Definitely. But on the flip side, uh, fees aren't a bad thing. There's, you know, the cost of business in all aspects of life, and it's 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 uh, not a bad thing at all. It's just transparency is the most important thing. Tell me about Pocketsmith quickly, mate. Can anyone jump on and use that? Cause yeah. As much as we'd like people to actually put some sort of plan in place, we know 90% of Kiwis will just try and DIY it and download one of these things and then probably not do anything after month two. Yep. But can anyone have a crack at Pocketsmith? Anyone can. It's like... Um, 10 bucks a month so it's not like a high barrier to entry you log in through your online banking it pulls in your data feeds from a privacy perspective it all kind of lines up um pocketsmith is a really good tool sometimes where people struggle is it's too much information um there's a thousand coming back to the way to set up a financial plan and grow your wealth there's a thousand ways to budget as well some people have like a spreadsheet you can lie, yeah, but you can lie in spreadsheets as well. So you got to make sure you use them properly. We love just like automatic payments. So we talk about, we do like a lot of um, webinars and seminars and business talking about all these things. And we talk about how the full messenger approach. So when you get paid each fortnight, um, you get money gets split into the four bank accounts and it's automatic payments. If you cannot manage your money in 10 minutes a week, you are doing it wrong. You need to automate everything. Um, the first jar is the emergency fund. It sounds like you've spoken about that in the past, that um, life will go wrong at some point. Um, and it's important you're protecting yourself there. Then um, what are your fixed expenses? You should know how much it costs for you to run your life. Uh, what is your fund jar? How are you going to go pay for that avo on toast and then the savings jar the only jar before that's helping you get ahead and you can automate all of that so there's a thousand different ways to do it but pocketsmith is a really good tool if you're like really analytical and like to track everything really closely you just said something there as well you go into organizations in different places and run webinars and presentations around uh things for people to be thinking about right so is that something you're going to be doing more of in 2023? I'd imagine the demand's going to increase as the market's contracting and interest rates are going up and people start to think more about finances. Yeah, we um, do them pretty much like every week. So we took about 5,000 people through them last year. It's a weird dynamic with like employers at the moment. So like it seems like employers are getting given more and more responsibility of mm. people's lives. So financial well-being is part of that, yes. which it – Used yeah. to be physical, then it was mental, yeah. and now it's financial. Yeah. Right? I don't yeah. know what the fourth one will be. Oh, I don't Maybe know. something. Probably yeah. pet, like pet wealth. <laughs> yeah. We've got to look th- after your dog and your yeah. cat. I think ASB gives you like, if you work for ASB, you get like five days off if you have a pet so you can look after them for a week or something. They would. <laughs> <laughs> they would. Um, 
but the the webinars we do like a whole range of them um and had 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 really good feedback because if your employers are in a better headspace with their finances from a selfish perspective it's not too complicated they're probably going to be more efficient at work the other thing that's becoming super unpopular is like um group health insurance um those sort of things people paying for like discounted financial plans their employers are doing it's interesting stuff what is the ugliest thing you've seen in your time in terms of a story in the advice space with a client or just a non-client? Have you got a gnarly one for us? Yeah, I've seen some pretty ugly stuff. Um, ugly is in like worst financial. I've seen like, I mean, I've seen fraud. I've seen all kinds of different things. Really? Yeah, yeah. I've seen like, um, and this was a long time ago and no specifics, so it's fine. Um, we've got a lot of retired clients. So we have like investment portfolios. People put in a million bucks or whatever and draw a regular income. I've had people like go into homes and they're like uh, son or daughter had power of attorney for them. They signed on uh, their behalf and then the power of attorney's behalf to make it a joint portfolio. And then once the parent passes away, they get all of the money and the other kids are all scrapped out of the, scrapped out of the will. So I've seen like really like horrible stuff, um, horrible stuff like that. Um, probably like people, one of the big things, people taking on too much debt is something that's happening a lot at the moment. Um, paralysis by analysis is another big one where we talk, we've got in one, in, in like one of our presos that we do at different investing styles and one's Larry Linger and Larry Linger just like stays in cash because there's always a bit of time to invest yeah. and it's just very hard to outsave good investment decisions. Yeah. And what about the sexiest? What are some of the, what's the story or your favorite story from your, your time in the space? Got one, two or three that come to mind? Yeah, it's, it's usually not things that I've done because what I do is quite boring. Yeah. Like we uh, are consistent with a plan over a long period of time. We're not about like growing wealth really quick. We've had like clients do really cool stuff where they've like um, invested into a business that's been bought out and then they've been like got eight figures off the back of it and wow. like it's completely – stuff that's completely changed people's lives is, um, is really cool. And when – we already have a relationship with them before that thing happens and they already trust us, then we can help them a lot more most of the time because once you've already got the money, everybody wants to talk to you and there's like a trust element. So yeah, we've had people who've invested like, um, you know, gone and worked for startups and they were an early employee and now they've got like $10 million of shares in those companies and and those sort of things. Yeah. So they're, they're pretty they're pretty cool things to be a part of. The life-changing stuff must be pretty exciting. Yeah, yeah. Def- definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, inheritances are really weird ones because it's like like good and obviously very sad and you'd probably take away the money to still have that person in your life. But the inheritances are – when it's money that's come really quickly, sometimes the first thing we'll tell them is like – and same with lotto winners. Um, put it on like a 12-month term deposit. Leave a little bit to have some fun. But – allow you to have enough time to process it. Yeah. It's probably a big one. Because I was going to say money that comes quickly usually goes quickly too, yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. And yeah. actually coming back to like the really bad decisions, I tell you one that really like grinds my gears is buying buying batches and holiday homes. Oh, yeah. It's like the amount of people where I'm like, oh, your like financial position is pretty good. And then they're like, yeah, I want to buy like a one and a half million dollar place in Waiheke. And I'm like, oh. and I always say, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, if you 
like I will give you thirty thousand dollars a year for the rest of your life to travel, or or you can go you can go Airbnb that exact place for the amount of days you want to use it. But to have such an expensive box that you're not, it's just such a waste of capital and so inefficient. That's one that grinds my gears, and it's just part of that like embedded Kiwi dream. And well, that's interesting because like one of my goals is to have a really grunty home and that I know that's going to cost me a lot of money and as the market keeps going I'm like fuck that is going to be it's going to be so expensive but then as I collect more money and then put it into things like shares and get some dividends and stuff I'm thinking this actually isn't going to make any sense to go type all this capital in a property mm. unless I kill some sort of hundred million dollar business deal and now I'm like okay now I've got to get through this stuff. Yep. I'd just probably be better just to go and rent some of these places or Airbnb them for mm. the time um, and then do it that way. So I'm like conflicted in the space of cool goal dragging me forward. But at the same time, part of me is like, I don't think I'm actually going to end up doing that because I think I'll just find a smarter way yeah. to do it. So maybe I need to sit down and do a financial plan. Mate, That's probably what I've just figured out. <laughs> mate, come and do it. Get in the boardroom. We'll look after you. Um, the When I say like holiday homes and bigger houses and all of that, it's all relative, right? If you've got enough capital and that's what you – like I talk about prioritizing goals all the time. James, I want a $5 million house. I want a $2 million batch. I want a passive income of $200,000 a year. I want to send my kids to private schools and I want to help them into their first home. Um, And say they earn really good money and I go, you can do four out of the five of those things. You pick which one's not as important to you. Sometimes financial goals are just around prioritizing. If you go buy that big box, right? You know you're going to have to work longer if um, opposed to if you bought a smaller box. And then it's just completely up to you whether that's worth it, like it's not, and this is a big job. It's not my job to tell you what's right or wrong to do with your life. I just show you the implications of your decisions over time. And I know that as soon as the $30,000 solar panel on the roof goes, I'm gonna be like, what the fuck did I buy this house? <laughs> I could have spent this on renting this for the next three weeks or whatever. Yeah, it's like buying a super expensive car and then you get the maintenance bill yeah. and you're like, a tire's two grand. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, BMW, oh, okay. Yeah. Why is all these parts so expensive? <laughs> yeah. Mate, that has been a fantastic insight into, you know, what you do and then also just a different way to approaching it because I think a lot of ordinary Kiwis don't have this access to how this stuff works and they think that it's just for rich people that have got squillions and they go into all these fancy offices and whatnot uh, and it's all old, stale people and it's much like my accounting industry where that is the reality of how my industry actually kind of is. Mm. But, But there are young people doing cool shit in this space. Is there anything that we haven't covered off uh, before we wrap up, mate, that you'd like to get across to, to people to be thinking about? Firstly, I mean, it's a nice office. Let's let's get that right. Um, but yeah, I would just say, think about the thing that you could do tomorrow to take a small step forward. Some people think they have to do everything at once. And that's not what it's about, is write down some meaningful goals, um, understand where your money is going in terms of a budget, appreciate that 80% of people don't know where their money's going, so that's that's completely fine. And what's the small step that you can take today? Is it like making an active choice of KiwiSaver providers? Is it instead of thinking, I'm going to work out which share I'm going to invest into it and taking you know five months to do that, you just get on with the show. Just take that small step in the right direction. And like all areas of life, you build momentum really quick. Nice. Right, if you want to dig deeper into the Lighthouse financial content, you can find the Checks and Balances podcast that James and Michael put out regularly every single week. 
uh, then get stuck into some of that content. Or maybe you're at the stage where you're thinking about putting a financial plan in place. You're a bit further down the path then get in touch with the lads as well. I'm sure they will explain to you what they do and don't do and where the boundaries are, but reach out to them uh, via their website or even social media. And then maybe thirdly, you might be thinking this would be really good for our employer to be able to help more staff and, and some of your workmates with some of the things that you know are going on out there. Perhaps put this in front of your employer and go to the website lighthousefinancial.co.nz and you can find the section on there around webinars and maybe inquire if the lads will run a webinar for your organization as well. There is a lot to learn and there's probably never been a more important time to really understand finances and I think people are really waking up to that. So good stuff on the work that you guys are doing. I think you're going to have a bloody busy busy year so I was glad to get this one knocked out before we get too deep into the year because you're probably not going to have any of your uh, Saturdays or Sundays free <laughs> going forward thanks Luke no worries